0: You don't even have to stand up. Say, this is God's Word, not Pastor Evan's Word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be, and I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the Word of God. I boldly declare... That my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, my ears are open, and I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the incorruptible seed of your word. Thank you for the spirit of God who's here. Thank you for your people who press their way to hear what thus says the Lord for their lives. And so I step back now so the Spirit of God can use me to articulate the things of God. And Holy Spirit, thank you for breathing on what has been prepared. And I pray that whatever direction you would have me to go, you know I am willing. And Lord, I thank you today that as we hear the word, believe the word, receive the word, and do the word, we can expect manifestation of your word to take place in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. amen. Amen, amen. God bless you this morning. You all look amazing. Thank you for joining us online. We have an online family that extends beyond Arlington, beyond Texas, and even in some cases beyond America. Can you say amen to that? Amen. amen. So we've been in a series, uh, if you've been following us, called let it rain. Everybody say God, God. let it rain. rain. And so this series is directly tied to our uh, yearly theme that we have, which is a year of divine stewardship. And so I've said what I'm about to say At least three or four times already, and I think it bears repetition, and that is our overall goal for having this theme this year is so that we can learn how to properly manage our earthly resources so that we qualify for heaven's increase. I'm going to say that again. Our goal is to learn how to properly manage our earthly resources so that we can, listen, qualify for heaven's increase. You know, I did a, a, a reel, uh, I posted a reel on Instagram this week, and the question was, what did you do with the message that you heard this past Sunday? And last week, of course, we talked about budgeting. We we handed out budgets. But, you know, I want to ask you the question, what did you do with last week's message? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what did you do with last week's message? Now look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, none of your business. Listen, church, increase can only happen when seed is planted because without a seed being planted, guess what? You and I will never see a harvest. And one of the biggest factors that I believe that keep people from honoring God with their first is fear. And so if you're taking notes, in fact, if you need a copy of today's notes, please raise your hand. If you didn't get a copy coming in, if you're watching us online, there should be a link that you can click to get today's notes. But if you're following me with the notes, our message title is Overcoming the Fear of Lack. Overcoming the Fear of Lack. Have you ever experienced lack? Anybody raise your hand if you've experienced lack before. Amen. Lack's not fun. And so the goal of the message today is to convince you from God's word that every need that you will ever have, God is willing, he's ready, and he's able to supply that need. Amen. So, uh, before we jump into the message, I I heard a story about a man who struggled with the fear of lack his whole life, uh. He saw his grandparents struggle with lack. He saw his parents struggle with lack. And so he made a vow and said, I will never financially struggle in my life. And so he worked hard his whole life. And when it came to money, he was a real miser. He saved every penny he could. And so one day he had a discussion with his wife. He said, baby, listen, when I die, I want you to take all of my money and I want you to put it in the casket with me. He wanted to make sure that the fear of lack would not follow him into eternity. And so he got his wife to promise him with all of her heart that when he died, that she would put all of his money in the casket. So of course, one day he died and when he did, uh, here it was, he was stretched out on the casket and. The the wife and her best friend was sitting on the front row. Uh, she was in her black dress. And so when they finished the ceremony, the, the funeral home came to close the casket. And so she said, "Hold hold on for a minute. And she had a box with her. And so she puts this box in the casket with her husband. And so then the the funeral home locked down the casket and they rolled it away. And her friend looked at her and said, girl, I know you didn't put all your husband's money in that casket. She said, listen, I'm a loyal wife. I am a Christian. I cannot go back on my word. I promised him that I was going to put all that money in the casket, and that's what I did. And she said, you mean to tell when you put every dime in there? She said, I put every dime that he had in that casket. What I did, I put all that money together. I put it in my account, and I wrote a check, and I put the check in the casket. And if he could cash the check, he could have the money. <laughs> So listen, I I said something funny because I'm getting ready to say something strong. So just look at your neighbor and say, he's about to say something strong. This is a triple shot of spiritual espresso that I'm about to give you. The fear of lack is real. And unfortunately, it is more real to most Christians than God's ability of provision. Because if if this was not true, we would give God the first of what we have and then trust him to supply second. I'm going to say that again because I need you to get it. Here we go. One more time. The fear of lack is real. Everybody say lack is real. The fear of lack is real. And unfortunately, most Christians... It's more real to them than God's ability to supply because if it was not more real, they would give to God first and then trust him to supply second. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19, hopefully they can put it on the screen. This is really the foundation of the the teaching, but it's not the foundational story we're going to use to walk out how to overcome the, the fear of lack. Philippians 4.19 says, but my God shall, everybody say he shall, Shall. he shall supply how much, how much, how much, All. all of your need, that word need can also translate to lack. He shall supply all of your lack and his supply is according to his riches and his glory by Christ Jesus. Now, if you all would bring this, the, the, those dimes up here for me. Uh, I'm gonna illustrate this very quickly because I don't have a lot of time. As a matter of fact, I probably shouldn't illustrate it, but I'm gonna try. So Pastor Will, I need you to stay where you are. The Bible says God shall supply how much? All about what? Need. need, but it's according to whose riches and glory? His. His. Okay, so let's just pretend that these, these are all dimes in here. Let's say that this is God's riches and glory. OK, you get paid. I don't know how many dimes this is. Let's just say this is ten dollars worth of dimes. All right. Here we go. All right. Now, uh, how much? No, let's say that's a let's say that's ten dollars. Now, what's a tithe of ten dollars? What is it? One dollar. How many dimes make a dollar? Ten. ten. Pastor Will, I need you to give me ten dimes out of your paycheck. count them up. It's okay. That's how some people be nervous when they trying to write that tie check. Now, Pastor Will gave me the tie before he gave anybody else anything. But based on what we've been teaching, we robbed God How? So, Pastor Will, I need you to give me an offering. I'm the Lord. Uh, uh, you can determine whatever you want to do. It can be a dime. It can be a. It can be five cents. Uh, okay, all right. What you giving me? I want you to tell me. I'm giving you six dimes. Six dimes. Yes. Wow. Sixty percent. Okay. So what happens? Pastor Will now gets his paycheck, and he's got to pay bills. So uh, give Pastor Chad some of those dimes. And give Megan some of those dimes and give Lydia some of those dimes. And give, give Emmanuel, hey, give Emmanuel the rest of them since he, he volunteered himself. Okay, now here's what we do. Something comes up and we don't have it. Everybody say that's lack. And so what we do instead of now trusting the Lord with all of our what? heart, how much did he say he would supply? All. Oh, so what we do, we go find, we, we, we get MasterCard, we find Discover, <laughs> and then we take American Express cause we don't leave home without that. And we utilize those things to try to supply the need instead of, watch this. Coming back to the source. How much did he say he's got? Whose riches and glory is it? All Pastor Will had to do was use his faith, come back and say, I need some more dimes. You need some? (laughs) Y'all see that? Y'all see that? Now see, what what I want to get you to do is come back to the supply. But here's why we don't. Because we ran out because it was our fault. So then we said, well, we got to figure it out. Well, he didn't say he would supply all the need that came up on you that you didn't know about. He said he would supply all of your need. And that includes that dress you shouldn't have bought. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what we're going to do quickly. We're going to read a story in the Bible that's going to help us identify some keys to overcoming the spirit of lack. This is in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. It says, then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath, which is near the city of Sidon. He says, I have instructed, I want you to pay attention to this. God told Elijah, I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath as he arrived at the gates of the village. He saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, watch what he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, He called to her and said, bring me a bite of bread. Now, I want you to notice something that that uh, he asked her for some water and then he asked her for some bread. Verse 12 says, but she says, I swear by the Lord, your God, that I don't have a single piece of bread in my house. And I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. He's, she says, I was just gathering a few sticks to cook last night, uh, the last meal, and then my son and I, we're going to die. Now, I want you to notice now, she did not say anything to him when he asked her for some water, because typically water is free. All water uh, uh, required was a little effort to go get it. So she was willing, watch this now, to give up some effort. But now when it came to something that was going to cost her something because groceries cost money, that's when she balked on him. And this is why a lot of people say, well, I volunteer at my church, that's my tithe. No, that's not your tithe, that's your time. So watch and see what happens. He says in verse 13, but Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Everybody say, fear not. Fear not, not, because that's what the King James says. He said, fear not. Go ahead and do what you've said, but make me a little bread for me first. Wow, what audacity of the man of God. She already told him she didn't have enough, and then he's asking her to give him some first. Okay, here's a principle that is not even the focus of the lesson. Even when we have little, God still expects the first. I'm going to say that again. Even though we may have little, God expects the first. And so, let's see what happened. He says, then use what's left over to prepare a meal for you. Fix me something first. And then he says, then prepare a meal for you and yourself and your son. And then watch, he gives her a promise. He says, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always, everybody say always. Always. Everybody say always. Always question for you what does always mean always Always means always there will always be flour and oil left in your containers until the time when the lord sends rain and crops grow again remember it was a famine verse 15 so she did as elijah said and she and and her family and elijah continued to eat for what Many days. And verse 16 says it again. There was what, church? Come on, church. There was always enough flour and enough oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. So we can see that this woman was experiencing lack. But she did some things that broke lack off of her life to the point where she always had what she needed until God supplied some rain for extra. So there are seven reasons what I'm I'm not going to dwell on, but there are seven reasons why lack comes. And I want you to identify these seven because I want you to avoid the ones that you can as much as possible. Because a lot of times you're going to see through these seven, sometimes we're the reason that lack shows up. So here's the first reason. Uh, lack comes, and that is, they all st- stands or start with miss. This one is misuse of resources, and this is when we had resources for something, but we did something else with them, which means we didn 't use them properly here 's number two misfortune. And this is when negative events have taken place and they've caused some bad circumstances, you know, like a job loss. It's it's like uh, Hurricane Katrina. Nobody expected that. That thing misplaced millions of people. That's misfortune. The third one is misconduct. This is when, in vernacular slang, you ain't acting right. This is when or refers to improper or unacceptable behavior. It, it's kind of like the prodigal son. He got the money from his dad and then he went and spent it and instead of letting it rain, he made it rain. How many done made it rain? Don't even add, don't even do it. Don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> That's why some of y'all are in a storm right now. Misconduct. Here's here's the fourth one. Mistreatment from others. And this is when the actions and the attitude of other people affect us in a negative way. It, it's almost like, let's say, on your job, somebody lied on you and it caused some issues on your job. But let's say your boss is jealous of you and they, they get you fired. Okay? That, that's the mistreatment from others. Here's number four. Number five. Misguided expectations. This is why lack comes. Misguided expectations. And this involves making incorrect assumptions and poor decisions that lead to lack A good example of this is ghost money. You say, well, Pastor Abel, what's ghost money? I have seen so many people end up in lack because they have planned on having ghost money. Ghost money is money that's supposed to come that ain't here yet. It, 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 it's lawsuit money. It's a lot of money that you, the Lord told you to play these numbers and you just knew you was going to win. So you wrote all these checks ahead of time. And so many people, they, 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 they plan on ghost money and then the ghost money shoots them a ghost. And it never shows up. Misguided expectations. Here's number six, misunderstanding of faith. And this is when we incorrectly understand, we make improper assumptions, and or we inappropriately or incorrectly apply God's word in a way that it won't work. Let me tell you something about the word. The word will work. If it doesn't work, we didn't work it. In fact, the Bible says all scripture is inspiration, is, 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 is from inspiration of God. And that it tells us, To study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word. So if the word can be rightly divided, the word can be wrongly divided. And that's what happens with people. They try to apply the word in a wrong way. And when they do it and it was not applied right, it does not work. And now they say God's word don't work. Now, if you're saying God's word don't work, you're saying God's a lie. Now, if you want to call God a lie, that's fine. My question to you is, then what other lies are in the Bible? Because if eternal life is a lie, we're wasting our time. You say, well, Pastor, Ed, give me an example of that. Well, you frustrated on your job and you decide to quit. God wants to be happy. I know he wants me happy. He knows this job does not make me happy. And so I'm going to quit my job because he said, watch it now. He shall supply all of my deed according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But he didn't tell you to quit that job though. No. Because the Bible says a man who doesn't work doesn't eat. So now your groceries are short and you crying out to the Lord. And he's saying, I didn't tell you to quit that job. Here's the last one, mismanage, a mismanaged mouth. And this is when we speak words that are aligned with what we see instead of speaking what we say we believe. So I'm going to give you five keys. I got 15 minutes to do this. I'm going to give you five keys to overcoming the the fear of lack. And and here's what I'm believing. I'm believing that as I'm teaching, the fear of lack is going to get broke off of y'all. See, you shouldn't get fearful just because your uh, bank account goes down. See, if you get fearful when your bank account goes down, that means your faith is in your bank account. See, if God's riches and glory is unlimited, it shouldn't matter what level my bank account is at. Amen. So here's number one. These are keys to overcoming the fear of lack. And let me just say this, you can have money and still have the fear of lack. Amen. You can, you know, I used to pay bills late, not late where, you know, late where it's 30 days late. I would wait till the last minute cause I didn't want to give them the money. But I had the money and on the day that I should have paid it. But I used to be like, no, they not going to get it till I want them to get it. Well, fear of lack. Everybody say fear of lack. Here's number one, you can't have a lack mouth and experience an abundant life. What are some keys to overcome the fear of lack? You can't have a lack mouth and experience an abundant life. In 1 Kings 17, 12, listen to what the widow said. She said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in my house. And I only have a handful of flour and, and a little oil in the jar. At the bottom of the jug and I'm just gathering sticks so I can die. She didn't sound like she was in faith. You know, what's interesting is that God had already commanded her to feed Elijah. Amen. So here's my question. Why didn't she just line her mouth up with what God told her to do? He didn't just suggest her. He commanded her to feed Elijah. So if he commanded her to feed him, that means she had it to give it to him. This widow woman was having exactly what she was saying. Mark chapter 11, verse 22, 23, and 24. You can go back and read it. Jesus said, you're going to have whatsoever you say. And contrary to popular belief, church, you have what you say, not just what you believe. See because what what you believe is revealed by what you say. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 13 says this. We having the same spirit of faith, this is how faith works. He says according as it is written, he says, "Watch this, I believed." That's past tense. And he said, "Watch this, because I believe." He said, "Then therefore have I spoken past tense." He says, "You know what? Let me show you how you can see what I believe because what I believed, I spoke. And then he also said, watch this, he brings it now into the present. He says, we also believe, and because we believe right now, therefore we what, church? We speak. So you don't just believe what you read. You believe what you say. And that's the problem. We speak, watch this, what we feel and what we see and listen if faith comes by hearing doubt does too amen proverbs 18 21 says death and life is in the power of the tongue i love the erb version it says the tongue can speak words that bring life or death those who love to talk must be ready to accept what it brings you get what you say so here's a take-on statement that is so good. Get ready for this. Are you ready? If you have a lack mouth, you will have a lack life. Everybody say, if you have a lack mouth, you will have a lack life. Amen. Your mouth is the rudder to your life. You say, well, it can't be that easy. I tell you what, I could, there are some words that will instantly cause action go to the mall and go up to somebody and start talking about their mama and slap them and see what happens. You're going to instantly get a harvest on those words right there, right? So the first one is you cannot have a lack mouth and experience an abundant life. Here's number two. We should never, everybody say never. We should never surrender, succumb or submit to a spirit that God did not give us. I'm going to say that again. We should never surrender, succumb, or submit to a spirit that God did not give us. In First uh, Kings 17, 13, watch what happens. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, the King James says, fear not. That means if he told her to fear not, watch this church now, that means being fearful is a choice. So we have a choice to make when lack shows up. Are we going to fear lack or are we going to trust that God is going to supply? Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven says, for God has not given us the spirit of what? Fear. So fear does not come from God. So when the fear of lack starts showing up, you have a choice. Am I going to embrace the spirit of lack or am I going to trust God to supply? Why is it easier to trust lack? Because we can see it. We can't see God's supply. We might believe in God's supply, but typically we can't see it until it happens. So the question is, how do we trust God to supply when we can't see it? Here's number three. We have to choose faith over fear. Elijah told his lady, don't be afraid. Watch this now. Here's where faith comes in at. He said, go ahead and do what I told you to do. In other words, he's saying, ignore what you see and obey what you believe. And sometimes you have to ignore what you see and obey what you believe. Listen, church, you have to stop previewing the movie that hasn't come out yet. You ever been to the movies? You ever been to the movies? How many of you see Color Purple already? Color Purple people? All right. All right. Now, I, I promise you, when you sat there, if you got there early enough, they gave you previews of other movies that are about to come out. Listen, the movie's not out yet. They're just giving you a preview of the movie. And that's what a lot of people do when, when it comes to lack. They preview the manifestations or the results of lack and lack haven't even showed up yet. Cause lack will tell you, oh wow, yeah, your your house gonna get foreclosed. Is your house foreclosed yet? No. Oh, it's gonna, oh you're gonna get your car repossessed. Is your car repossessed yet? No. Oh, you're gonna lose your job. Have you lost your job yet? No, you know what? Because listen, the the spirit of lack or fear of lack is trying to get you, listen church, to get in agreement with it. So watch this, the negative power of faith works in reverse. Because the moment you believe something is when you open your mouth to say that. Amen. Faith doesn't look at what's seen. It looks at what's not seen. 2 Corinthians 4, 18 says, while we look not at the things that are seen, but we look at the things that are not seen. Wow, how do you look at something that cannot be seen? He says, listen, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Basically, what he's saying is, if you're going to walk by faith, you have to learn not to look at what you can see. You have to learn how to look at what you can't see. He said, Well, Pastor Evan, how do you look at something that you can't see? Listen to the voice translation of 2 Corinthians 4.18. It says, So we do not set our sights on the things we can see with our eyes. All that is fleeting. It will eventually fade away. Instead, we focus on things we cannot see, which live on and on. So remember, you said, Well, how do I how do I focus on the eternal? How do I focus on something we can't see? Remember now, church, the word existed before the world existed. I'm going to say that again. The word existed before the world existed. In other words, the world is only here because the word got it here. And so if you and I are going to succeed and not allow the, you know, uh, stare at at lack, we got to be staring at something else. Well, listen, what do you stare at? The word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God And the word was God. Watch verse 2. The same was in the beginning with God. Watch verse 3. Oh. Come on church. Oh. How much? Oh. All things were made by him. By him who? Oh. By the word. So now if I'm going to have an eternal perspective on things. If I'm not going to choose to not see the lack that's in front of me, I now have to choose to see the eternal side of that lack. Now, bring the sheet up real quick. Uh, there's a sheet up here. I need uh, one more guy so they can come hold this. Because, see, when you got born again, your spirit got born again. Your head did not get born again. Your thoughts did not get born again. Your flesh did not get born again. Your spirit got born again. And when your spirit got born again, it made you alive to God. So watch this. Go ahead and spread it out if y'all would. When you got born again, people who are not born again, all they can do is see that way. They just see all the natural stuff. But when you get born again of the spirit, you get to see behind the curtain. And so he's saying, we don't just look at the things that we can see. We also look at the things that we can't see because the things that we can't see are eternal. So what's behind the curtain? God's riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And the way you get the things that's behind this curtain in front of this curtain is that you got to open up your mouth just like the word did and bring the word into manifestation into the world. Did you get that? That's why you can't say stuff like, I'm broke, I can't pay no attention, I'm so broke. You can't say that because what you're doing, you are staying in this realm. God wants you to be able to look at both of them and say, well, look short over here, but God said he will supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Did y'all get that? Okay, y'all can go because I don't have any more time. Here's the next one. Here's the next one. This is how you overcome the fear of lack. You got to obey anyway. Verse 15 says, so did, so she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat many days. Everybody say obey anyway. See, obedience, watch this church, is the action side of faith. She always had flour. Because she dared to obey. Here's the next one and the last one. You must seek to receive. Psalm 3410 says this, one of my favorite verses. The young lions do lack and they suffer hunger. But they that what, church? They that who? They that what? Seek the Lord shall not what? Wow. That word won't means lack. Matthew six thirty three says, but seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness. And what happens? Oh. How much? Oh. All these what? Things shall be added. Here's the problem. We want to receive and not seek. If I told you, and I'm closing, touch your neighbor say, he's closing right now. If I told you that I put a million dollar check that was blank, somewhere in this room and whoever found it got to keep it and cash it, y'all would be some looking people. And, and look, you would keep looking. Let's say an hour went by and ain't nobody found it. Would you still stay and look? Yeah, you know why? Because you want that million. See, listen, you're not expected to receive without seeking. And sometimes when lack shows up, you got to seek God and say, okay, God, how you want me to handle this? Tell me what I need to do. And God may give you some crazy instructions, just like he gave that woman. He's, he, he, what did he tell that woman? He said, go give something. Listen, if what you got in your hand is not enough to be your harvest, it has to be your seed. Sometimes, listen, sometimes you gotta see your way out, church. See, some of y'all are stuck in some, st- stuck in some stuff. I mean, you know, on, on the internet they be cussing and stuff. I'm like, how are you gonna cuss and be a preacher? So let me just say this, this is just off the cuff. If you listen to a preacher that cuss, stop listening to them. You say, what do you mean? No, cause the Bible says if you can't control your tongue, you can't control your life. So no telling what they're doing behind the scenes. If they going to cuss publicly, I don't know what you're doing privately. But anyway, that's just my opinion. Did y'all get some out of the word today? With every head bowed, how are we going to apply today's word? We're going to, when fear of lack starts knocking, you're going to let faith answer. You're going to speak life and not lack. And you're going to seek and keep God first so that he can add whatever you may need. Father in Jesus name, thank you for the word that's gone forth. I pray that that word started breaking strongholds of lack. God, some of the, some of the people have been living in generational lack. But God, I thank you because your word says you came to set the captives free. Your word came to destroy, to root up, and to plant. And I declare today that the spirit of lack cannot function in the lives of those who are part of this church and those who are watching today. Lack, you got to go and you cannot come back in the name of Jesus And, Lord, we thank you that when the opportunities for lack come, we'll do what I just taught. We will trust you. We will keep our mouths right. We will seek you. And as we do, God, you're not going to disappoint us. Because your word says if the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but it said, those that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Thank you for supplying all of our needs. In Jesus' name. Amen. With every head still bow, here's my question. If you die today